Okay, so now lying on your side, whichever side is more comfortable for you to lie on, <clears throat> check out how your legs are. You'll have one knee stacked on top of the other. And then just notice how, how much are your knees bent. And try bending them a little more and see if that feels more stable. Try straightening your legs quite a bit and see how that feels. <clears throat> and so somewhere between straight and completely bent, find the spot that feels the most stable and comfortable for you. And now um, straighten your two arms out in front of you. So one arm will have the back of the hand against the floor, and then your other arm, will you'll have your two palms together. <clears throat> so you're kind of pointing your arms out in front of you like a triangle. And begin to slowly slide the top hand just a little bit forward of the bottom hand, and then slide it back to neutral. And just see how that feels, particularly in the shoulder blade of the top arm. And can you feel, actually, that it's not just the arm, but also your ribs start to participate in that movement? Your, the front of your chest turns toward the floor, and maybe your face even turns a little bit toward the floor, and then comes back to a neutral position as you slide the arm back. <clears throat> okay, good, and just take a rest on your side. Let's have you come back up a little bit there, Jerry. Yeah. Oh, I see what happened. There we go. <clears throat> And when you rest at any point in this lesson, you can bend your arms, or you can leave them out straight if that's comfortable for you. Okay, and once again, begin to slide the top arm forward, maybe even touching your palm onto the floor a little bit in front of the, the bottom palm, the bottom hand. And now I'd like you to see if you can sense that movement involving not just the arm and the shoulder blade, but also the spine. So slide it forward and then back to neutral. <clears throat> a good way to do this might be, could you press the bottom hip into the floor a little bit in a way that sends the top shoulder forward? And always do the movement and then come back out of it and make sure you pause a little and then do it again. Good. And then come back. So you feel that 
there's a rotation happening in your torso. Good, come back. That kind of sends the arm forward. And you can you know that's happening because your face turns toward the floor a little bit. Your ribs on the bottom side roll against the floor a little. <clears throat> Okay, good, and now um, pause for a moment and then come onto your back and you might want to reduce the amount of pillow under your head. You, you, you check it out for yourself, what feels like the right amount. <clears throat> and on your back, you can have your legs either long or standing. Um, you can have the soles of your feet on the ground if you'd like. <clears throat> That's a little bit easier on the low back for some people. <clears throat> and now we're going to introduce the breathing exercise that, that Jerry mentioned earlier, this seesaw breathing. <clears throat> and this can be done with the legs either standing or long. I know these, some of these blankets are a little slick, so it can be hard to keep the feet standing, but... So begin to inhale in such a way that your chest really gets big on the inhale. And just do that once or twice. Inhale big in the chest and then let it go. Don't worry about the exhalation. Seeing if you can fill the front of your chest, also the sides, and have a feeling of expansion in the back of your chest. So you might feel like the pressure against the floor increases a little bit. Put your hand kind of right on your solar plexus, right at the bottom of the sternum, and just see what kind of, uh, what kind of expansion do you feel there? Does your hand or your hands rise and fall a little bit as you inhale and exhale? There's this big domed muscle, the diaphragm. It's, it's domed up under your lungs when it's relaxed. And when you inhale, it presses down to let the lungs expand, pressing out that area of the mid-belly. And now we'll add in the second step. So you'll continue to expand the chest as you inhale. And as you exhale, you'll let your belly become big and round. So on the two parts of the breath, on the inhalation, the chest is big and the belly maybe falls a little bit. On the exhalation, the belly gets big and round and the chest flattens a little bit. And take some time with this. It's not necessarily going to be a familiar way to breathe or a familiar movement, so don't be concerned if it seems uh, a little unclear. <clears throat> and also see if you can sense the expansion both in the chest and the belly as they alternate happening in the sides and the back as well as in the front.
Okay, and then pause and just take a rest on your back. to your side, the same side that you started on, whichever side that was. <clears throat> Come back to that same position, having the arms out in front of you and the knees bent in a comfortable way. And just revisit that movement of sliding the top arm forward. Uh-oh, Sue and Jerry might have to, you guys might have to stagger yourself a little bit here. And just notice, has this movement gotten any easier after doing that breathing? Or maybe just more familiar. And can you feel that rotation of the spine, that rotation involving the rib cage? You could start to draw your top hand back onto the bottom wrist a little bit. <clears throat> Notice that if you were to keep going in that direction, your top shoulder would start to come back toward the floor and your, your head would turn to face the ceiling. If you, if you kept going with the arm, we'll explore that further in a, in a little while. As you keep doing this movement, <clears throat> can you really sense it as a movement coming from your contact with the floor? That it's actually the bottom side that takes the top side forward and back. Okay, and then pause on your side. <clears throat> and you can bend your arms if you'd like or have them in whatever position is comfortable. And begin to revisit the seesaw breathing on your side. Inhaling big in the chest and exhaling with a round belly. I'm going to come around and just give a little hands-on feedback. So inhaling, the chest gets big, and then when you exhale is when the belly gets big, like... Mm -hmm. I think you were going inhaling, but not exhaling. Yeah, so it's... Um, <clears throat> 
And then as I, as I exhale, yeah, they're a little bit. Yeah, you might put your hand on your belly and see if, yeah. And let your head rest there. And if you, you might also try doing it a little smaller, smaller but clearer. And if it's tough to get a hold of, don't worry. It might be that w when you come back and try it next time, it's clarified quite a bit. And the interesting thing about doing it on your side is that now that side contact with the floor it has the feedback from the floor, so it might make feeling the side a little easier. Of course, the other side will be up in the air, and <clears throat> the whole back, the mid-back and the low back are not in contact with the floor, so there could be a different sense of expansion there. Okay, then let your arms out straight in front of you, and just a couple of times, two or three times, slide the top arm a little bit forward and back. Notice how that movement feels now. And then come onto your back and take a rest again. <clears throat> I have another excerpt from a book that I'd like to read. This is um, the book Parkinson's Disease and the Art of Moving by John Argue, which I really enjoy. And it's on <clears throat> a very similar theme as what I was talking about with the last book about this idea of conscious control of movement. Okay, so um, the author argue is quoting <clears throat> a doctor. He writes, uh, the doctor writes, the root of all Parkinson's symptoms can be found in the mal malfunction of the complex motor programs stored in the basal ganglia. Automatic actions do not work well for people with Parkinson's. And then the author, John Argue, goes on to write, in order to deal with your Parkinson's-related difficulties, which derive from the loss of automatic movements, you need to learn to move and speak consciously. You are condemned, and he puts condemned in quotation marks, to conscious actions. I find that very interesting, the, the choice of the word condemned. If we look at it as oh, it's going to be a lot of effort to become conscious of how I'm moving or to learn new movement habits, <clears throat> then for sure it could seem um, onerous and difficult. And no doubt anyone would have moments of feeling it that way. From the perspective of a, a mindfulness practitioner, 
that's, that's kind of our goal anyway, is to do things more consciously. So in that sense, I think the word condemned is, isn't right. It's, um, it's a forced opportunity or something like that. Yeah, condemned really does have a negative connotation. Yeah. Yeah, have to live in the moment. Yeah. I yeah, I really like that. I agree with you. You are gifted the necessity of conscious actions. So then he goes on to write <clears throat> Calisthenics, aerobics, and weightlifting are all important exercises if you wish to lose weight, put on muscle, keep in shape, or build stamina. Those are all legitimate goals, but they are not focused on your Parkinson's problem. The goal of this program, and this book is a program of movement exercises, uh, the goal of this program is different. You are aiming at developing a mental ability. Through actions and exercises that you will do with your body, you will actually be training your mind. In order to deal with a Parkinson's moment, whether in movement or in speech, you need to learn to go through a conscious procedure. And he's got bullet points here for the procedure that I'll quickly read. You must collect your attention, relax all excitement, and come to an internal stop. You need to imagine the action you want to do, and you need to remember or invent the best way to do it then, with complete and focused attention, you need to perform whatever action you need to do. You need to do that action gracefully, that is to say, the easiest way possible that still gets the job done. You need to complete that action, and you need to know when it is completed. <clears throat> you need to come to an internal stop and focus on the next action. So that, that language is a little bit too directive for me, maybe all those you needs, but um, the idea behind it, I think, is very clear, this sense of an internal stop and a conscious engagement with movement. It's, it's definitely a goal I have in my own life. <clears throat> it's an ideal something that we can practice and, and then inevitably forget and just come back and practice again. Okay, so come back onto the same side, that same position, arms out, knees bent. <clears throat> and slide the top arm forward and back. Sensing the twist in your spine and the involvement of your rib cage. And now begin to increase the backward direction as well so that your top hand slides along the inside of the bottom forearm, then inside of the upper arm, and then actually starts to slide across the top of your chest. And you'll find that your top shoulder is coming back toward the floor. And go back and forth, continuing to do it as a movement. <clears throat> and 
if you were to take the idea of having both arms spread wide, kind of in a T shape, just notice, would you have to lift the top knee in order for the other arm to touch the floor? Could that top knee come away from the bottom knee to help you reach your other arm back further? So it would be like that as this arm comes back, that this can come to help you. Yeah. Okay. Could you actually point that top knee toward the ceiling so your back and your pelvis might start to come onto the floor? Okay, and then could you actually take that movement so that it takes you all the way onto lying on your other side? There's a moment when your face is toward the ceiling, and then you stretch out that arm, bring the other arm on top of it. Yeah, and take take some time to adjust your pillows and and then on this other side, explore taking the arm forward and back, sliding it back toward the chest and maybe over the top of the chest. And again, remembering that we're looking for the sense of spinal rotation, not so much um, any part of the movement, you could slow down and check it out, looking for spinal rotation, checking out how much contact you have with the floor, noticing what direction your head and eyes are facing. And when is it that the pelvis, the knees, the legs need to come into play for you to continue the movement of your arms? Okay. And pause and take a rest on your back. Yeah. You know, many uh, Feldenkrais lessons are modeled on the movements of children. And the. Yeah, and. 
That's right, children are more flexible. And also, particularly babies and toddlers, they don't have enough muscle to force a movement to happen, so they sort of have to find a more efficient way to do it. So there's actually um, there's, uh, something to be learned often from watching how a child, particularly a small child, does a movement. Uh, I remember one time being in a convenience store or a grocery store, and I saw probably a a two- or a three-year-old girl go to grab, like, a 25-ounce a Gatorade. And, um, you know, that it was practically the size of her torso. She wasn't going to be able to lift it with her arm only. And she did this beautiful little... Th- she walked up to it, got her pelvis down next to it, grabbed it, and came back up. And uh, I thought, oh, that's... That's so nice, you know. She knew just what she needed to do. If she did it the way most adults do it, with kind of bicep strength, it would have just... Yeah. I see Sue doing a movement that I'd like to incorporate here, so... Bend your knees and stand your feet and just begin to take your knees a little bit left and right. Lying on the side, we've been kind of checking out spinal rotation sort of from the top down, the arm initiating some rotation higher in the spine. Taking your knees left and right, knees bent and feet standing, you're asking the pelvis to turn a little and then the low spine to rotate left and right. Yeah, and it feels good. Uh Uh-huh. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, so again with this self-image of the spine, when the knees go left, the front of the spine has got to rotate to the left. You can, If you do it real slowly, you'll be able to feel it. The femurs, the leg bones connect into the pelvis. The weight of the pelvis pours over onto one side and lightens on the other side. And because the spine is rooted in the pelvis, it has to twist in that direction. Yeah. No, that's nice. So, yeah, so we can all do that. So if you take your knees to the left, and let's just start with the head at first. So if the knees go left, the head rolls right, and vice versa. So now you're asking your spine to twist in opposite directions from top and bottom. And spinal twists can be very healthy. If you really push it too far, yeah, that could be a risk, but... Gentle spinal twisting is a great way to lengthen the spine. And then, yeah, what I see Jerry doing is just joining his hands over his chest and trying to involve more of the shoulder girdle and the upper torso in that twist. So another way to do it would be 
if as the knees go left, reach with your left hand to the right, and vice versa. As the knees go right, reach with your right hand to the left. There's a lot of ways you could get into that. But. <clears throat> yeah, and this this hooks back into that independent shoulder blade movement we were we have been exploring too. And see if you can bring back in, maybe, maybe just while doing the head in one direction and the knees the opposite, just that large inhaling in the chest. If you're more familiar with the seesaw breathing, you could bring in the full seesaw. But even just a large exhale in the chest as you rotate the spine, that's an interesting combination of movements. So you, if you try putting one hand here and one here, then it's like as you inhale, this rises, and as you exhale, this rises. can play around with this as much as you'd like and then bring it to a close and take a rest. Did Anna say which hospital she went to? Let me check. <clears throat> she did not say no. Um, yeah, unfortunately, she broke her finger. She fell when she was getting out of her car. Yeah. Okay, one last time, <clears throat> come on to your side, either side, and have your arms out in the triangle in front of you and, and resume that, exploring that movement of sliding the top arm forward and back, feeling that you're really doing it with your whole self. <clears throat> Some parts are moving more than others, but your whole self is involved in the movement and feeling how you can use the support of the floor and the availability <clears throat> of spinal twisting to help.
<clears throat> and if you'd like, you can follow the movement of that top arm onto your back and onto your other side. looking for a way of doing it that feels sequential and congruent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know, you might be surprised if you try it at home tomorrow. Might feel quite a bit more congruent. From my perspective, I can see a ton more spinal movement than when we started, which looks really nice. Okay, and you can just go ahead and take this movement into being on your side and then to coming to sitting and up to standing. <clears throat> Maybe if you're on a couple cushions. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't take any, and I, I'm uh, really busy in the morning. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know actually the name. Yeah. Okay, and in standing, <clears throat> let's actually come back to these walking lanes. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, you could put your arms out in front of you in standing as they were on the floor and just slide one palm forward of the other. Arms go side to side and the palms slide on each other. Okay, and then let your arms down and just turn your pelvis left and right. And see if you, you might, if you do it a little more quickly, feel how your arms could just swing off the movement of the pelvis. Okay, and then making sure to be careful with your balance, start to walk, sensing the side-to-side -side movement of the pelvis. 
see if you can feel your arms swinging off the propulsion of your legs and the turn of the pelvis. <clears throat> Remembering how when the pelvis turns, the spine rotates even just a little bit. And now see if whatever movement you have in your arms, see if you can exaggerate it a little bit more. But keeping that feeling of a swinging from the spine and the pelvis. Uh-huh. So there's not a lot of work in the shoulders. It's actually the spine is moving, the pelvis is moving, not having to do muscular work to lift the arms so much. Oh, good. <laughs> there we go. Forgot about that. Okay, great, and you can keep walking around a little bit and we'll, we'll take a break again.